we think that this was the house where Jerry Hutch grew up. These properties would have been really, really inexpensive at the time. Mm. People wouldn't have maybe seen the potential for them to be developed. But Jerry Hutch was one of the people who bought them. Paddy Doyle has been killed by the Kinnan organisation. Gary Hutch has been killed by the Kinnan organisation. And James Magal Gately has managed to survive despite a number of very serious attempts on his life. I'm Nicola Tallent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. It's the north inner city neighbourhood which the state say was used by the Regency hit team to gather before they headed to the North Dublin Hotel where David Byrne was murdered on February 5th, 2016. The Buckingham Street area has long been the heartland of the Hutch clan and indeed murder accused Jerry the Monk Hutch. In the run-up to detailed evidence expected over the coming weeks and centred on an apartment complex called Buckingham Village, myself and colleague Niall Donald visit the location which has been described in great detail and maps at the Special Criminal Court. We see the home of the monk's mother, now used by a children's charity, and the closeness of key individuals caught up in the feud. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So we're coming down um, Sean McDermott Street and we're going to cross over there across Gardner Street to make our way down towards O'Connell Street. Look, it's all a stone's throw away from everything, isn't it? Yeah. But, um, I mean, this is nearly the furthest away any... Yeah. So this Remember is, the Hutch family has gone from this sort of square that we're going to describe. Yeah. I mean, this is where all the the plots to kill Patsy Hutch were mm. formulated around here. And of course, Imre Arrakis was That's caught right. on CCTV just as we go up here. Mm-hmm. Um, having a good look. Having a good look. So, like if you drive across Gardner Street here and you, you straight away you come to Champions Avenue... And the first thing you see as you glance in, you'll see the Garda car that has been there for... Oh my God, I can't believe that's still there. That is there since... That is unbelievable. So that is there 24-7 every day. Since February the 5th, 2016. Since February the 5th, 2016. That's Patsy Hutch's family home. Yeah. Um, Obviously... Uh, and that guard car is manned 24-7. 24-7. Such is the level of threat against yes. his life so still. That's 365 days of the year and it sits there very visibly. It's yeah. not an unmarked car or anything of the sort. I'm sure everyone's got totally used to it now at yeah. this stage. I cannot believe that's still that's there. Still I mean, there, it's so yeah. long since I came up this way. So that's, I mean, what, six and a half years there. Extraordinary. I yeah. wonder has anybody else had lived under that critical that as critical threat level I cannot think of anybody I cannot think of anybody I mean the only other people that have a permanent guard outside their home would be the Taoiseach and the people like that Um, and they're not really I mean well okay there is always going to be a threat against those people from nutters but by and large by an identified criminal group somebody living under that stress for so long is unbelievable it is so we've done a U-turn now and we're going back onto which uh, way are you going now? I'm going to go to Sean McDermott Street, then I'm going to go down past our work so and then come over. to the bottom of Buckingham okay. Street. So, so once you don't have to turn left for okay because that's your good eye <laughs> on the right. 
<laughs> I'm sharp as I'm sharp enough on the left, but <laughs> razor sharp on the right. Okay. <laughs> Taking my life in my hands in the garbage here. I mean, it's so, like, location, 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 beside the city centre, isn't it? it if you is. wander down and you're, yeah. you're right in town, anybody would kill to live around. Yeah, because, of course, you, so see, close. you see all these new apartments uh, have yeah. sprung up, in, in obviously, over the, the last couple of decades, really. Um, but, I mean, they're, they're, they're going, they're hugely expensive now. Mm. I remember my, my own dad saying to me there, driving down Gardner Street, like probably in the 80s, saying they're building apartments. Like, who is going to pay money right. to live in the live in the inner city? Do you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it would, like you know, we couldn't believe that people were going to spend money to live in basically what directly opposite corporation flats. Yeah. You know, they were going to spend a fortune, but of course... That snobbishness is all gone now, <laughs> hasn't it? Well, it is, but I mean, it, at the time, like this part of Dublin was really quite run down. Yeah. And now it's poor, underprivileged, marginalised completely. Yeah, but there was yeah, there was just no I mean there was just a lot of empty buildings and, and, and Ooh, all of all of that. So we're turning left onto Buckingham Street lower and yes. this would have been all tenement. This is a lot of these would have been yeah old old homes that were converted in, into tenements all through the turn of this through all through the, the, the 20th century mm. um, and they would have been yeah this is this is really is the Hutch Heartland Buckingham just Street. Just in here now if you can yeah. for a minute and we'll just have a little discussion yeah. about this property here yeah. and it is 100% the Hutch Heartland and yeah. they would have been one of the largest families living in the area of course they don't own this area but um, they're definitely one of the more prominent larger families that have been here for decades and I think here 23 Buckingham Street Lower we think that this was the house where Jerry Hutch grew up and, and was his mother Julia's house or certainly the mother appears to have lived in it because we have a document which we're going to go through um, when we get back to the office but it is a building that was leased to this charity Bernardo's on the basis that they are there, they get the property for quite a minimal rent. The first uh, time this lease thing was signed with, with the Dublin Corporation, County Council, it seemed that they got it for a thousand a year. And these are publicly available documents, anybody can yeah. look. And on this document, it says that the building was acquired from Gerard Hutch, and in brackets, it has Julia, which was his mother's name. Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, he it was one of the first properties that Jerry Hutch bought or was associated with and it's now Bernardo's which deals with basically a charity for helping underprivileged kids um, of, of, across Ireland a, a very big big charity and uh, as far as we we've always heard that that it was handed over and Jerry Hutch even attended the the opening uh, it's absolutely converted now uh, mm -hmm. but there would have been a, a lot of people living in those these homes at one stage um but now it's a it's a it's an office oh. an office and there's counseling and various other things to do with the charity there hutch has said in the past that he bought up properties around this area in the 1990s these properties would have been really really inexpensive at the time mm. um 
that people wouldn't have maybe seen the potential for them to be developed. But Jerry Hutch was one of the people who bought them. And some of the older names were also buying properties in this area. Some of the old the old contemporaries of Jerry Hutch in this general area, mm. people like Paddy Shannon, who would have been known as the builder. He was a a, a, a middle-class guy who sought out organised crime and um, eventually got shot dead. But he was investing in property in the area. Also, Eamon Kelly, who was also would also be shot dead. Ultimately, uh, Eamon Kelly was one of the more notorious criminals in the in the history of the state, really. Um, and he was ultimately killed by the real IRA. But he was also buying properties in the north in, inner city in this mm-hmm. area, along with Jerry Hutch, who who would have all been contemporaries of his. And Booking, but Buckingham Street is where Jerry Hutch concentrated on. And the reason we're here and just having a look at this is because this area has been mentioned time and again in the Regency trial. This is where the state say the Regency hit team gathered in the morning, and and others who who helped in. Uh, get in, get, getting them away from the scene of the crime, yeah. gathered here in the morning for some sort of a meeting in the hours before the Regency attack happened and that meeting would be, would be up the road here in Buckingham Village. Yeah, so but is- part of the searches that have conducted that they've been talking about, we haven't got details of what, as yet, of what has been found in them. But these shops here on the left, and I texted you from the office the other day to ask you about those shops because those addresses when I Google mapped them, they were the ones they were talking about that they were searched. And I think they one of those was a shop run by Michael Gately. That was a shop run by Michael Gately. He probably, the only uh, document he's registered on as, as as a director, it was a shop run, run there for many years, uh, legitimate business. Um, and then further up on, on Buckingham Street that we're coming up to would have been the home of Jerry Hutch's brother, uh, Derek Hutch Sr., who who also passed away. Mm. And not then, part of the feud, well before of, it. Yeah, long before that. And then further up is Buckingham Village, which the state, in, in their opening case, mm. in the opening statement, was saying this is central to the case, Buckingham Village. Um, it's central to the case because they're saying this shows the organisation mm. of of this the murder in the Regency, and that, that was part of the planning and the structure. So we'll and it was in Buckingham Village in the car park at the back of that building that the cars met, or they certainly have the status yeah. said that. But uh, these, yeah, drive up the road there and just because I remember those shops being open that that Michael Gately was involved yeah. in. Did they close after the Regency because of the security issues? No, they they definitely stayed open for a while, but I don't know if they've moved on. So if you drive up here, um, this is where. Derek Hutch Sr.'s home would have been and where Derek Coakley Hutch would have been mm-hmm. born and raised and he was obviously shot dead as part of the feud. He would have been, uh, he wouldn't have been a, a, a serious organised criminal or anything like that. And then after he was shot dead, there was a, a march, if you remember, and it was mm-hmm. held down at the roundabout just further back where a load of people from the community came out and said, look, this has to stop because Derek Coakley Hutch would have he would have had a number of convictions, but he was absolutely uh, a harmless type, really, I, I would have said, you know, certainly not a, a serious or dangerous criminal, you know. And some of these houses along here as well have been mentioned as being searched in connection with yeah. this Regency Hotel. So, yeah, it's very... 
hutch heavy around here, yeah. isn't it? So we're going to take a left down Bella Street. And again, this street was, and the maps of this area were used in the trial. They were handed out to the judges as they tried to explain to them about this car park. And there was, there's a lot of these swipe security uh, cards to get into this car park that have been mentioned over the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, so you can see Buckingham Village is probably not one of the, the buildings in in the in the north inner city that's held up well over the test of no, time. Is it like private or is it? It, it, it? As far as I know, it was built and then a lot of it is. It was a lot of them were handed over, and there's a lot of uh, yeah, you know, they were handed over to the state and they're rented out as, as you know the state operate them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would have been. Um, it would have formed a part of Jerry Hutch's cab case as well. That would have been some of the evidence given that he had a certain ownership or interest in that place uh, in Buckingham Village. Mm-hmm. It certainly hasn't weathered well. No, it hasn't weathered well. I mean, it was one of the first kind of new buildings in this area, and there's some beautiful buildings. Like if you look right opposite Buckingham Village, they're they're, they're only new. They look great, the red brick and all of that. But Buckingham Village itself. Um, probably hasn't withstood the test of time too brilliantly. And it's the car park just behind it there that we've just passed that yes. um, the state are saying that they, they gathered and they they are currently going through evidence of where the various key cards for that were found and they also have told us that there was a property there which was the person who was in charge of the security gate, basically the security of that, um, that they were called upon and there was a search done and there was a box of these key cards and they're all in sequence numbers. The state's case is that you can see a, a convoy of cars leaving and entering into into that car park and that's part of the, the organisation that it, of the, the Regency shooting that it's you know that that there was a degree of planning, and this is operate. This is part of mm. the overall uh, charge, which is that it was conducted by the Hutch crime organisation, basically. So we're dri- we're driving out now, and we're we're taking the side road, and we're coming onto Portland Row, and um, where this would also have been sort of this is what would have been where James Mago Gately, who was repeatedly targeted by the. The, the cartel would have been living in this area. Also, mm. um, if you, you when you see Portland Row here, you see where um, Paddy Doyle uh, would have been raised. And now, do- Paddy Doyle was a hitman who moved out to Spain with Freddie Thompson in the aftermath of a number of murders, and he was feeling the heat. And he moved out there, and himself and Freddie Thompson and others would gather and socialise. And he was obviously working for. The well, he was either working for the cartel or he was very closely linked to his old pal Fatso Mitchell. Yeah. Peter Fatso Mitchell, who was run out of that part of Spain by the Kinahan mob, actually. But Paddy Doyle ended up falling foul, was the first really of their own to be killed, wasn't yeah. he? Two thousand and he was nine. Because we have pictures of him out there, a young Paddy Doyle with uh with James Michael Gately and with Gary Hutch, and they would have come out to to Spain. Back in, as you said, 2009, that sort of time, they would have been brought out um, more or less with Daniel. And they would have obviously all been one happy family, for want of a better description. And um, But if you look at that picture now, um, Paddy Doyle has been killed by the, the Kinnan organisation. Gary Hutch has been killed by the Kinnan organisation. And James Michael Gately has managed to survive despite a number of very serious attempts on his life. On his life, yeah. Yeah, and it just shows the fallout 
uh, that happened within it. So here's the document here, and it's it's a council document. It's a publicly available document. Um, when is that dated? Now, the date seems to be 2008. So it's, oh yeah, May. So it says, by way of indenture of lease dated 16th of May 2008, Dublin City Council demised the premises at numbers 23 and 24 Buckingham Street, Dublin 1, to Bernardo's for a period of four years and nine months from this date. And it was subject to €127 per annum, provided the premises was used as a family resource centre for children. And then there was a further lease dated the 15th of August 2013 and was granted for another period of five years. um, And that was subject to a rent... The, the, the building would be subject to a rent of 25,000 per annum, but they got it for 1,000 per annum, provided the premises was used as a Bernardo's bereavement support service for children and families. Yeah. So because yes, it's a charity, they're getting it for that lesser number. But look, you go down through it and it's all the details of the lease, right? Yeah. Which is not of interest to anybody. But this site to be disposed of was acquired from Jared Hutch as LPR of Julia Hutch. Now, LPR would be the, you know, the, the, the next of kin or the living relative right, right. or whatever. Yeah. So it's, the house must be in Julia Hutch's name still. Yeah. His mother's name. And he has... Yeah. And, yeah, so it's it, it's probably we're talking about yesterday. Like, Jerry Hutch's... It's why Jerry Hutch had a, a benign reputation within his own community because this mm. is the sort of person he was, I suppose... Um, or this, or perceived to be anyway, or or this, he had these kind of actions, which is a charitable action at the end of the day. Um, but it's very much, you know, the Hutch neighbourhood, and up until the Regency Hotel, within the sort of general area we're talking about, you had his brother Eddie, you have his brother Patsy, um, his brother Johnny lives a bit, a little bit further away, but there was his sister-in-law, yeah. um, Nolene Coakley Hutch, who had been married to his brother Derek, you know, and then you have obviously the next generation of Hutches and there's plenty of them around but actually Jerry Hutch himself moved out a long time ago. He moved out a long time ago he was living in Clontarf in a very middle class area not too far away though it has to be said um, um, but he was living in a, in a, a, a very nice private estate in Clontarf but he would be seen on a moped I think mm. coming in and out of the north inner city not in a big fancy car but he did seem to be regularly on a on a moped that's the address he's given to the court for the, the murder charge. I think it says last known as or some last yeah. known in this house because, of course, he hasn't lived there. He no. locked the door on it and I don't think he's been back since. No, and of course he spent, in in ahead of, up until the Regency, he spent a lot of time in Lanzarote where he also had a was the owner of an apartment um, and he was in and out of the city. Uh, but all, all that changed mm. from 2015 onwards. But really that Buckingham Street area where, you know, it's a very always been very significant Hutch territory, it has and will very much be coming to the fore over the next few weeks in evidence relating to the sort of the the organization of that hit team that yes. went into the Regency. And of course in the in the opening statement as well there was details of Flatcap, um how he was uh, he left the Regency Hotel on the, on on that morning, but ended up in in Amiens Street, which is adjacent to to Buckingham Street, mm. and he was caught on CCTV there. So this is all part of what they're 
describing as, which is a, a chain of evidence, putting it together as as an organised plot, um, and again, it's it's in in a, in one way you look at it, and it's, it's no surprise there's loads of CCTV evidence, is there, mm. in, in in an area like no. this? I mean, everywhere Every, there's CCTV every cameras, it's on, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. everywhere, yeah. you know, pri- like obviously most of it is private. I'm sure there is you know, state-run CCTV, but on every corner you could nearly come across a CCTV camera one way or another. Definitely, you could be certainly traced anywhere you go around here. Look, we wait to hear further evidence from this trial. Um, it's motoring along, it, it has to be said. It's been run very efficiently. Um, it was always predicted it was going to go into the new year. You'd kind of wonder now, will it actually finish before Christmas? Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing would be sometimes these legal arguments, if they they can really be an unpredictable feature, can't they? If they mm. if they get too long or they, they there's unforeseen things there, but in the absence of something like that coming up, I'd say it could be finished at, at Christmas. And then, of course, the, diff- the other difference with the Special Criminal Court is, like, if you're in a jury trial, once the jury start deliberating, it's done in four days maximum, isn't it? Yeah. Or maybe five, I think there's one or two occasions it's gone to five days. But the Special Criminal Court is very unusual that they could be, they go and then you don't hear from them yeah. for a month or two, isn't it? I mean, I their think that, is, that is a hard one for the yeah. the defendant um, because at least with a jury, it's all, like they have to make a decision. Exactly. So the Special Criminal Court go away though and, and you know, I'd say in something like this, it'll be as quick as the the wheels of justice turn, but it still could be a num. It'll still be a number of weeks, mm-hmm. wouldn't it? For sure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, that's a long wait if you're in prison yep. waiting to see if you're getting yeah if found you're guilty spend- of murder because that's a, a guaranteed or a mandatory life sentence as opposed to yeah you know. So that's that's the the state of play, but um, you know, a verdict you would think sometime in the new year really would mm. be what you're what you're looking at. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll leave it at that. Thanks. You survived my car. Just about. I mean, the dirt of it is disgusting. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.